Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibliostapes in Discussion. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by Northwest photographer James Bell. Good morning, James. Good morning, Ewan. Happy, a belated Happy New Year to you. I think after today, I'll probably stop wishing people a Happy New Year because we're well past the well past the, the kickoff period. I think. Yes, there's only so far we can uh, we can string it out for. But yeah, yeah. Happy New Year to you and. Uh, Thanks for inviting me on. I'm uh, I'm I'm privileged. Thank you very much. No, absolute pleasure. Pleasure to have you here. So for uh, James, obviously, he's based up in the northwest. Um, very very well known for his uh, Lake District photography, albeit he doesn't actually stay in the Lake District. Um, but uh, before we move on and talk about his two books, Capture Lakeland Volumes One and Volumes Two, just maybe ask you, James, if you could give a an introduction to your photography background, your journey, and, and where you've come to, and where you where you plan on going. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. So, um, yeah. So, photography for me is um, it's uh, it's always been a bit of an escape, really, but a, a more of a more of a hobby, if, if you will, than than anything else. So. You know, it's an interesting question thinking about where did it come from because you know the, there always seems to be a common theme with a lot of photographers, and that was it started as a childhood thing. You know, and I, I remember for me it was, um, I think the first time when I consciously became aware of it was I think I was about eleven years old, and I went on a school trip to France, and my mum and dad bought me a camera, and I can't, I think I might have asked for that to to record it or if they wanted me to, and. Um, I remember just taking lots of photos of my friends, you know, I mean, there were, there was 11 year old photographs, you know, yes. on, a, on a, an Olympus camera. I actually still have <laughs> <laughs> 35 mil film camera. And I, I was just fascinated by it, you know, when I've still got the photographs from that trip as well. And, um, and it kind of grew from there really. My dad had um, an Olympus OM10, which is now mine. And, and I shoot with yep. that every week, uh, a 35 mil film camera. It's absolutely a brilliant little camera. Yeah. Um, so I used to use his camera, and, and once I think once you've experienced that 35 mil SLR camera over a little compact, and you get depth of field and things, you start yes. to think, "Oh wow, you know, look at this." Yeah. Uh, so it kind of grew from that, really. And then, in um, as I, so, I'm originally from Kendall, which is in the South Lakes, and yep. I lived there all my life until I graduated university when I was 21. Um, but when I was living in Kendall growing up, my parents had a lot of paintings on the wall. Of or Maybe that's not right. Maybe they had one or two. And I think they were gifts off people. Um, and one of them was a snowy scene of Bleetan in the Langdale Valley. Right, yeah. And they've still got the picture, actually. And I remember looking at that as a, as a young child thinking, that looks amazing. And, and I don't know if you know Bleetan, but it's quite yep, alpine-like. Yep. Yes. Um and I just remember looking at that thinking, that looks unbelievable. Uh, so I I wanted to go there, but my mum and dad, they, my mum and dad don't care about the Lake District. They, they never go there. They're not interested. In, you know, they live there. Yep. But it, it means nothing to them. Yes. If, if anything, it's a problem to them because you can't get anywhere on the roads. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, so we never went there, really. And, and then when I passed my driving test when I was 17 in summer um when was it it must be 1995 I just set off and I thought right I'm going you know I'm gonna find yeah. these places and that's what I did and and 
I was just amazed by it. It was, and I couldn't believe it was so close to where I lived. Yeah. And that within 20 minutes, half an hour, you can be in a place like that. You know, I mean, I mean, my, my childhood was pretty, I was feral as a child. So I was pretty much just outside all the time, you know, playing out, building dens, climbing trees, how a childhood should be, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Back in the day, if you will. And um, so I I just carried that on into teenage years, really. And I just got more independence. And then I was taking photographs of Bleetan and places like that. And I I didn't, you see, this is before the internet, before social media. So you couldn't really just, you couldn't really research anything. Yeah. You, know, you, you couldn't you couldn't type in where do you park or where's this? You just you have to yeah. look at a map and set off. Yeah. And there was no sat nav. You know, it was it was brilliant. It was absolutely and there was no mobile phones as well, I don't think. No, not back you know, so then. You'd set off and it'd be like, if I get stuck or I'll get a flat tire, <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. And it was quite amazing, really. So so I remember doing that for, for a long time. Um, and then I went to, uh, so where, where would we be at now? So say late, late nineties. And then I went to university in Preston to study product design. And, um, I, uh, so product design engineering basically. So yeah. I went and did that. And then before I graduated, I was very lucky because I actually got offered a job in Liverpool at Liverpool university. Okay. So they had, um, they had a design consultancy in one of their departments um, and they had a lot of grant funding, European money, because I think Liverpool was quite, um, what's the correct terminology? It, was, it wasn't as affluent as, as it might want it to be back then really. So yep. they, got a lot of, they got a lot of European money to invest in various things. And one of the things, so this was like cutting edge technology at the time, it was, like rapid prototyping equipment. So like we had the first pieces of equipment in Europe, all based on research grants and things. Yeah. So I went, I went to, to work there and it kind of just happened in, in I, re, I remember it being a blur, you know, it was, it was one minute I was, cause when I was, I traveled from Kendall to Preston every day for university. Yeah. And I, it, I never really thought I was ever going to leave the Lake district. And I, I was very short sighted probably because you think, well, where am I going to work doing this job? <laughs> you know, like, there's no industry. What does that there? Yes. Um, and then I got off. I was, but I was so obsessed with the creative design and producing things. It was just what I had to do. So, so I ended up leaving Kendall to, to, to work in Liverpool and it was unbelievable. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was like going to another world, you know? Yeah. Totally different little background. Town, little town kid who's grown up not seeing, you know, the worst thing you'd see in your life was happening every hour of every day in, you know, on yeah. it, around every corner where I moved to, you know, it was yeah. unbelievable. So, I'm, and, and that's where it started really. And, yeah. and I guess why I'm telling you that is because that's the catalyst. And what, it, what, what happened was I just missed the fact that I could, I, I took it for granted. Yeah. I, I took what I what I'd grown up with for granted. And so so what I did is I used to come back every uh, every weekend, stay at my parents. And I I I uh, I'd just go off on, on my own into the Lake District and I'd park up somewhere and I'd literally spend 12 hours fell walking or 
wherever yep. he was, and I'd take 500 pictures, you know, and then I'd literally go back on a Sunday night, back down to Liverpool for the week, next week's worth of work. And then every night, because I lived on my own for about nine months, I think. And then every night I was just looking at my photographs, editing them. Yep. And and it was, I was probably denying the fact that, of reality. I was probably trying to live, you know, be somewhere else psychologically. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I remember feeling it, it was, what was good about it was very early on, I got to a massive appreciation of, that space, that place, you know, and it, it kind of made like my, like I said earlier, my parents just aren't bothered by it yeah. because they've always seen it. It's just there, you know, and yeah, yeah the snow on the hills. So what, you know, that means I'm not going to drive to work tomorrow. probably. Yes. Or yeah. Yeah. You know, and then when, when you're taken away from it, you start to appreciate it more. And I, I remember being quite emotional in those places, you know, and, and, and then I was probably not wanting to go back, you know, and I was thinking, oh, I can't string this, can't, can't the weekend last for five days, six yeah. days. It's and it was, you know, then you'd, you'd kind of get quite upset on a Sunday night having to go back. But equally on a Friday, on a Friday, you'd be buzzing. Yeah. Thinking, oh, tonight I'm going up to the lake. So I'd, um, I was, obviously there's an emotional connection. Now, at first, I remember there being not much emotion in my images. When I looked at them, I was quite underwhelmed thinking, you know, it felt better than that. You know, when I was looking at yes. the image, I would think I, I I felt I felt more in that moment in reality than I did looking at the picture. So I, that's what really started the journey for me to, yep. to understand more about landscape photography, to get into it. And so this is early 2000s, I would say. I then, I remember just starting, I mean, I was shooting film at the time. I had a, I had a Canon 500N, I think, which was, uh, I, rem I remember going into Dixon's in Kendall. This is quite an interesting story, right? Because I went in and I said, right, I want a new camera to this guy. And he said, oh, all right, um, what do you want, digital or film? And it was about the time when you could just, digital cameras had just come out. Yeah. And I said, well, what do you recommend? And he said, well, digital's rubbish. It's probably never going to catch on. <laughs> 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 you know, and and I ended up buying, and you won't, you won't believe this, I ended up buying a Sony Mavica camera, right? And it recorded the images on floppy disk. Can you believe that? Floppy disk. Yeah. 1.4 megabytes of storage. Yeah, so, so I had a Sony Mavica um, digital camera. It was a, I, mean, I, I wish I still had it. I bet they're worth a fortune now. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, but I, I actually bought at the time, I bought the film camera and I used that fridge. I spent all my money developing film. I've got boxes full of film and negative and yeah. And it was brilliant, really. And then I, uh, you know, it just kind of grew from there. And then I got the Mavica. I got a little Fujifilm silver. I can't remember the name of it. A little silver. It didn't look like a camera. It was like a little metal silver box. And then I bought a Canon D30, which was a 3 million pixel, Canon's first digital SLR. Yeah. I remember getting it delivered to my office in Liverpool. And when it arrived, it was over a month's worth of wages. You know, it was, yeah, yeah. you couldn't tell anyone what you'd paid for it. Because no. <laughs> it was just obscene, you know. But and um, when you looked at the files, what it produced, it was it blew me away. It was just you just thought, right, this is now this like is shooting like yeah. shooting thirty five mil film. It was it was it was unbelievable. Um, and that kind of spurred me on to to do more, to learn more, and 
um, I, it was all exper experimentation, you know, I never had any tuition, I never had any guidance or anything. It was just trial and error. And I'd go out and take images and then I'd up, I, I was in that whole kind of consumerism upgrade cycle of, well, the 10D comes out, 20D comes out and you, yeah. you get all those things. Um, and then I'd put the pictures on my desktop background at work and people would come in my office and say, oh, that's that's unbelievable, that picture. Where have you got that from? Yeah. And I'll say, well, I took it on the weekend. And they'll say, no, you didn't. You know, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't believe us. And it was quite funny, really. Um, and people just kept saying, oh, your pictures are really good. You know, and I'm, I never believed it at first. It was just, I just thought, well, they're not that good, you know, and I've, you know, maybe I still believe that now, really. It's just, um, you know, the constant cycle of improvement and, and wanting to go ahead. Yeah. And then I think, so the internet had started around this time and there was, I never really bothered with um, forums and stuff like that, but I remember being involved in Flickr or sharing a few pictures on Flickr. And I used to walk around Liverpool City Centre, me and uh, another guy at work on our lunch breaks, we'd, we'd walk into, so I worked at, I worked by the um, uh, the cathedral in Liverpool by the um, um, there's two cathedrals and I worked in between in between them and we'd walk down and it was it was grim you know there was all sorts of things going on what young men shouldn't be seeing you know it yeah. was just horrible and it, it it was a lot of dereliction a lot of it, it was it was in need of investment, should we say. Yeah. So we used to take pictures of all these derelict buildings and I loved doing that, you know, yeah. and there was all, and, and I've got a body of work from early 2000s of Liverpool. What's actually, if you showed that to a, to a teenager from Liverpool now, they wouldn't know where it was. Yeah. You know, because it's been absolutely re replaced. Yeah. Maybe like Glasgow as well. Yeah. You know, where it's just gone through an immense trans transformation in the last 20 years, really. Yeah. So it went through that, and then I then I thought, right, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get into uh, building a website. So I remember um, what I really liked doing at the time um, was creating panoramic images that they just fascinated me. Yeah, how you can see something in one image, which is more than what your eye can see. Yes. Yeah. So I used to take. Um, equirectangular images so the 360 degrees around yeah in both axes so and then i used to stitch them all together manually in a in an application called pt gui and you had to do it all manually and then you could use quicktime vr to to look and pan around and, and yeah. zoom around and it was quite new technology at the time and i remember i remember building like a website um where I, what I wanted to do was create a virtual tour of the Lake District Fells. So you know what Street View is now? Yes, yeah, like that. So I actually built a website when every time I went for a fell walk up Bow Fell or Crinkle Crags, every kind of 400 metres, I took one of these panoramic images. Yeah. I had a, I had a 15 mil uh, fish, Sigma fisheye lens on a Canon 20D or something, <laughs> and I took like eight images around, one to the top, one to the bottom, and I stitched it together. And then I'm... I was well into Alfred Wainwright and his guidebooks and his hand-drawn maps. So yeah. I used to replicate those maps, like draw out a map, put hotspots on it. And then I taught myself how to do very rudimentary kind of HTML. And I, I made 
these yeah. kind of websites. And that opened my eyes to putting things on the internet. Yeah. Um, and it was never commercial. It was just a hobby. You know, it was, it was something to do. Um, and then I think over the next few years, 2004, 2000, up to probably two, I think 2006, I started a, uh, I think I got a click pick website. Yeah. It was like 30 quid a year or something. Um, and I just populated that with images, put them, put them on, didn't think anything of it. And then after a while, I think one or two people bought something. And I'm thinking, bloody hell, you know, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but I, I, no, in fact, I've, I've missed a stage out, actually. And I think, again, this is probably an important thing to say. I, I remember, I've got a note here. I, I, want, to, I want to tell you this because it's quite interesting and it, it, it shows how... Um, yeah, so it was around 2003, 2004... I was on a rooftop in Liverpool in the building I was working from, and we had an amazing panoramic view over the city, and it was sunset. So I, I went up there yeah. illegally to take this photograph of, of the city. <clears throat> and this guy I worked with, uh, who was quite a famous musician, um, he's a Colombian guy. And in, in Colombia, he's really well known as a musician. He plays in stadiums and all the rest of it. And yeah, right. He's he used to he played gigs with Shakira and people like that. You know, he was, yeah. You know, he was he was big time in Colombia. Yes. He married a, a Scouse girl, came over here and kind of gave all that up. But he, he had a band locally in Liverpool. He still does it. And he said he said to me, he said, "Why do you take so many photographs?" You know, he said he said, "What are you doing it for?" And he said, what do you hope to achieve from doing it? And I said to him, well, why do you, why? He was, yeah, he was a salsa band, you see. And I said to him, right. well, it's like, you, it's like you playing your guitar. It's no different. And he said, no, of course it is. He said, I play in front of an audience. He said, yeah. nobody ever sees what you do. Yeah. And, and, he, and, I, and that was probably the most profound thing what anyone's ever said to me. In, in terms of making me think about what I was doing, because at this time it was just hobbyist stuff, you know, it was just, I just like making images. Yeah. So he said, oh, you know, he said, I can sit in my bedroom and write an amazing song and nobody will ever hear it. So what's, you know, he said, I enjoyed it. He said, that's the equivalent. He said, what you're doing is you're writing amazing songs, you're performing them, but you're not letting anyone listen to them. Yeah. And... And I said, all right, then, well, I'd like to sell a, I'd like to sell a print. You know, if I could sell one print, then it's all worthwhile. Yes. And he said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the way to look at it. He said, that's how I did my first gig, you know, and, and it went from there, you know, and before you knew it, he was playing stadium. I mean, he played for the, um, the president of Columbia, I think, and he's played in stadium, you know, he's a real well, big would, deal over yeah. there, you know, yeah, he, he knows everybody who's, who's anybody from, from there in that scene and I think it took somebody like that to actually say it as a way of why can't you do it you know because I just thought it's impossible yep. you know I just thought I'm just hmm. I'm just a guy from a council estate who good things doesn't happen to people like me you know and maybe that's obviously it's the wrong way to to look yep. at it but that's what I believe based on the opportunities I've been given you know yeah so I went out and I set up a website shortly after that and I thought do you know what he's right I'm going to just put it out there and see what happens and then I, I sold one or two prints and I couldn't tell you how happy I was about it <laughs> it's unbelievable that's it and and it kind of went from there really and then um 
what happened after that? So I reckon um, I, kept, I kept selling through click pick site and one thing or another. And I just thought this is, it, it wasn't even covering your petrol money, you know, to, to get there. Yeah. It's not a viable business. You know, you just thought mm. it, it's, it's going to be the next thing. And then what I, what I did then is I, I got made redundant from a job and I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try and push this a bit. Yep. So I got a few things framed up and I took them to all the art galleries in the Lake District. And I basically said, you know, th- these are my photographs. What do you think? And every single art gallery told me to bugger off. They said, um, oh, we've got, um, we've already got plenty of photographers and we don't want to upset them by bringing new people in. Right. And I said, I said, well, can't you just give us a chance, you know, because are you, you know, you're a business trying to make money. Maybe my things might sell more than theirs, you know, because yes, like, yeah. I was quite arrogant really. And, and they just said, look, you know, we've got long-term relationships with these people. We're not interested. Sorry. And, uh, and everything was sale or return, you know, and you just thought, you know, this, yeah. and then you've got to drive it there and you just like, it's a pain in the backside. And then in 2000 and, and so I just gave up with that. And then about 2008, I got made redundant again from another job. And then I just thought, you know what? I'm not having this anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to be an employee of anybody else ever again. Right. Because it can ruin your life being made redundant. Yeah. And, you know, when you've got kids and you've got a mortgage. So I kind of pushed it a bit more then. I, I actually really, that's when I really sort of thought, right, I'm going to build a bespoke website. I'm not going to have click pick anymore. I'm going to build a bespoke website and I'm going to try the galleries again. And then I got, I got, uh, I got in a gallery in Staveley called the Gatefoot Gallery. And I, he said, oh, go on then, put one, put, put, put one thing in. And let's just, and he was doing it to show me up because I was just pestering him and pestering him. Yep. So I got an image printed on canvas and I took it in there like 10 o'clock one Saturday morning. And he rang me up at 11 o'clock and said, can you bring another one? I've sold that. <laughs> so I said, so next weekend I brought him another one and he sold that. And then he said, right, can you bring two next time? So I brought two in. And these were canvases. I think they were 90 centimetres wide by 60 centimetres tall. So I brought another one in and then I brought two in and they sold. And then he said, right, I think you need to come in. I need to, I need to have a word with you sort of thing. And I thought, oh, he's going to tell me to bugger. You know, I, I just thought, I just didn't believe it was possible. Yes. And he came in and he said, he said, right, I'm going to give you your own bay. Because this gallery, it was in, it was in the roof of like a warehouse. Okay, right, yeah. So, so there's all rafters through it. So it made like a three-meter-wide bay. Yes. And there was all these well-established photographers who were university-trained photographers. Yep. You know, they were all men in the 50s, whereas yep. I was a man in my sort of 20s, you know. Yeah. And no training, no background. I'd just swan off on my motor. So I used to ride a motorbike. So I'd just go off on my motorbike, park at the bottom of a hill, walk up the hill, take the photographs. Back down. You know, yeah. And that, and that there, was, there was no art to it. There was no science to it. It was just what I thought looked nice. Yep. So I got this bay in the, in the gallery and he rang me up the next week and said, right, everything in your bay is sold. <laughs> and I, and I said to him, 
like my mum's not coming in and buying it, is she? <laughs> Something like that, you know. And he said, honestly, he said, people are coming in and 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 he he was obviously there a lot and he was observing what was going on and he basically said, they're not buying anybody else's stuff. He said, they're just coming in and buying. So he then gave me two bays. Yeah. So I filled it up with things and then all the other photographers started to complain and gang up on me and they basically said, right, you, if you don't get rid of him, we're taking our stuff somewhere else. Mm. Yeah. Because because he's not a proper photographer, yeah. is, is what they'd say, right? And then the guy who owned the gallery turned around to him and said, look, I do this to make money. I'm a business. I make more money off James than all of you put together. So if you don't like it, you bugger off. Yeah. So they did. So for about a year, it ended up being my gallery. Yeah. It was just, I mean, I, I had an exhibition there with about 60 framed photographs. Excellent. And it was, it was just brilliant. And and it, and then other galleries started to contact me and say, because people were going in that gallery, seeing my work, and then they were going in other galleries in the lake, saying, "Oh, have you got any James Bell?" <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah. And they'd and they'd say, "Oh no, we told him to bugger off." Yeah. And then, uh, I had a bit of a dilemma. Then you see, because I got quite a good relationship with this gallery, and he was good to me, you know, and. I felt kind of loyalty towards thinking, you know, he, he's the only person who's given me a chance. Yeah. So I thought, do you know what? I'm not going to sell in the local galleries to him because they'll take, I want him, I want to support him, you know? Yeah. He supported and you. He supported me. I'm going to support him. And that's the way I wanted to do it. But then I got um, an invitation off a gallery in Cockermouth called the Percy House Gallery, which is an amazing little gallery. So I spoke to him about it and said, look, what, what do you think about, um, what do you think about me putting work in there? Because it was so far away, it's the opposite end of the lake. He said, "Yeah, no problem." You know, he yeah. said, "Do what you know." I'm not telling you what to do. Do what you want. So I, so I put work in there, and that it sold really well in there as well. Yeah. And then I got invited to a gallery in uh, near Bassenthwaite Lake called the Thornthwaite Gallery, which is like a massive barn, um, and you put your work in there. And and this was the first experience of. I think I kind of knew it was getting serious at this point because you know the image on the front of my book, uh, the first book, Capture yes. Yeah. So that image is called The Retreat. That's what I titled that image. And I used to sell 75 by 50 centimetre prints of that in a frame for about £400 or something in this gallery. And when I was... Um, I was selling about two or three a week. You know, it was brilliant. I was thinking... I, I couldn't make them quick enough. Yeah. And... Um, I went to restock one day and in next door to where my pictures was, there was an oil painting of the retreat. And I looked at it and thought that that's my image. Yeah. You know, and, and this person's painted my photograph and um, see what you'll notice about that photograph is it's actually taken with a fisheye lens. So it's not taken with a rectilinear image. Yeah. And the reason it's taken with the fisheye lens is because when I took that image in 2007, I used to use the Sigma 15mm fisheye lens because I was making virtual tours. Yes. I wasn't even doing photography, you know, like, like traditional landscape photography. Yeah. So so I made that image, which is quite curved. Yeah. And um, so I confronted the gallery owner. I said, excuse me, can I just talk to you about this image? And he said... He said, what are you insinuating? And I said, well, I'm not being funny, but... Right, 
let me yeah right so I, for the sake of yes for comparison burn yeah so what i did i took a photograph of the painting put it in photoshop overlaid my image and it was painted by numbers and and at first i was I was quite upset thinking, oh my God, like, why would someone do that? You know? Yep. And this, this gallery owner basically turned around to me and said, he, he was abusing me. You know, he was saying, oh, you're, you can't accuse somebody of copying you. This is, and that painting was for sale for 800 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And you've just seen the size of it. It's tiny compared to my big prints. And I said, look, you, you can't allow this to go on, you know, but all he cared about was his. Make money. Was his commission, you know, because he was yep. getting 40%. Of, of something at 800 quid. And he said, oh no, the guys, um, the guys climbed up there, set up his easel and he's painted that. So so I, I did some research online and I found this person who painted it and I emailed him and I said, I said, look, you know, I, I just want to kind of find out a bit of background about how this painting exists. And he said, oh, he said, uh, yeah, no problem. He said, I downloaded it off your website and painted it in my conservatory Oh. And he was an 89-year-old man. Jeeves. And he basically said, you know, he was quite a well, well-known painter. Yeah. And he said, that, that's how I make up. You know, he said, I can't, I can't walk up there. Yeah. I just go on to your website. And he said, I've... So I said, right, okay. I said, fair enough. So it's a derivative work then. And really, you need my permission to be able to, to do that and then to sell it. You know, you, you can't really... It's, it's not, not the dumb thing, really. And he said, oh, sorry, I didn't know that. I said, look, if you like it that much, I'll give you, I'll give you a framed copy of it. You know, I, I didn't want to do anything about it. You know, yep. I just thought I'll do that. And then, um, so he said, I'll tell you what, well, I'll give you the, the oil painting. So we did a swap. So yeah, that nice. oil painting, so, yeah, and, and we kind of were friendly about it. But the gallery yeah. owner then kicked me out of the gallery. All and right, he said, yeah. oh, you're the worst of the worst, James. You know, you can't accuse people yeah. of this. So he kicked me out. So I said, fine. And it was at that time that John Lewis had approached me and basically said, would you, do you want to sell your prints in John Lewis? Yeah. And at first I said, absolutely no way. Because when you look at the commercial agreement, it, you just think there's absolutely no way I'm doing that. And then, and then all the, it was around the time I then started having all this hassle with other people, other people copying my work. And I thought, do you know what? I'm sick and tired of spending my weekends driving around the lakes, delivering stuff on sale or return basis. I'm, I'm not getting out and making for, you know, I, was, I got yep. to a point where I was selling that much stuff. I became a delivery man. Yeah. And I wasn't making new work. So I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to do the John Lewis thing. And yeah, all I have to do is release a file. And, and then every the three months I get a payment. And I thought, I'm just going to do that. So I did. And that was in 2012. And um, and I'm still selling in John Lewis now in 2021. Yeah. Which is so, fantastic. It, sh- it shows you that it's worked. Yeah. And and it's and it's a hobby. Yeah. Well, it, it was a hobby. But um, so so that happened. And then I, I sort of invested in my website, built my website up. And, and then I started making greetings cards and things like that and postcards. And I think I sold about two or three, maybe 4,000 greetings cards through loads of different outlets across the Lake District. And then that became more trouble than it was worth because yeah. the margins were so small. And I just thought, you know what? 
I, I don't want this to be a business. It was never about, you know, doing an invoice for 24 quid to someone. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and all that type of thing. So I, I kind of gave up with uh, with all that things. And then I, um, it, it was, I wanted it to become, to stay as a hobby. I didn't want it to be a business. You know, it, I had a really good job, you know, and I was a design engineer, designing cutting edge technology products, designing mobile phones for Sony, designing things for Unilever, designing things for JCB, Sony Ericsson, people like that. And and I used to design a lot of medical devices as well, you know, and I designed a product for the RNLI, uh, a man overboard system, which saved 12 people's lives in the first year of it. Being, yeah. You know, it, it basically, we went down to Brixham in Devon to kind of went on these trawler boats and dealt with all these these fishermen, you know, who didn't used to wear life jackets because they thought, you know, if we fall overboard, we don't want to float around for four hours and die of hypothermia slowly. Yeah. We just want to die. You know, if we, if we go over, we just want to bang our heads and drown, you know. Yes. And then we designed this thing with the RNLI. What, um, if if it was, it was at the start of Bluetooth technology and if they went our range... Oh, yeah, yeah. It would tell a satellite which would scramble a helicopter. Yeah. So all the guys started wearing life jackets because they thought, well, I'm going to get saved. Yeah. You know, and we met a guy who had no fingers on one of his hands because he got his hand caught in a winch on the back of his boat. He was fishing illegally in an area where you're not allowed to fish. So nobody's coming past. Yeah. So he had to cut his own fingers off to free himself. Whereas if he'd have had this thing around his neck, he'd have pressed a button and he'd have been rescued, you know? Yeah. So, so I was, I was, if you like, my day job was helping people's quality of lives. It was, yeah. It was creating beautiful products. What worked well, but what, like I, if you give a urine sample in this country, it's screened on a machine I've designed in the NHS. Yeah. Um, I've designed blood coagulation monitors, warfarin Ooh. for, for uh, monitoring warfarin, diabetic testing kits, things like that. You know, and I think when, when you've got a job like that, where it's a very creative job, but there's a real purpose to it, where you're thinking, I'm actually saving people's lives or improving in, people's lives and improving yeah. people's quality of life. Yeah. You know, it, there's a there's a there's a real buzz about actually feeling like you belong in society, you know, and that people are. You're valued, and you know, like when if you ever met anybody and they said, "Oh, uh, what do you do?" and you told them the job at the table, you know, and they think, "My God, do people actually do that for a job?" Yeah, yeah. But like, like for example, Sony PlayStation Four, the VR headset. I designed the first version of that. Yeah. You know, like people don't people don't know. You know, I don't tell anybody this because it's kind of irrelevant, really. But yeah, you know, I worked with Sony PlayStation Europe to design the, the, heads, the first prototypes yeah. of all. Yeah, that. cool you know, with some really good, good guys. And, and it was brilliant. And then I had my own company and I was, you know, building up brilliant clients, winning awards and all that kind of stuff. And, and then in 2012, uh, I got glandular fever, yeah. uh, which I don't know if you know anything about that, but basically it's a, a sore throat on steroids really. Yes. Yeah. And, and well, that's how it started for me. And then I ended up being rushed into hospital because my throat had basically closed up oh. and I couldn't really breathe or swallow. Uh, and then I never got better. Yeah. Uh, so I came out of hospital a few days later on loads of drugs and stuff. And then 
the, the throat problem fixed itself, um, but I never really got, I, I lost part of myself in that process really. I, I never kind of got my energy back. So, you know, like a weekend for me was ride my motorbike 200 miles, park at, um, in Buttermere Village and walk up Haystacks, walk up High Style Ridge, uh, you know, walk up Fleetwith Pike, get on my motorbike and drive 200 miles. You know, and it, I was just full of beans, full of energy, yeah, you and know, that positive. It, I was smashing it, you know, I was really doing yeah. a lot of stuff, you know, and I was loving every minute of it. And my job was going brilliantly. I was making good money and stuff. And, and I'd, I'd really got somewhere, you know, and it was great. And then for a period of time, I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. I literally couldn't get dressed. I hadn't, I couldn't stand up. Um, I couldn't walk down the stairs in my house and then I couldn't, I couldn't play with my children. I couldn't, yeah. you know, I couldn't walk to the end of my street. Um, and that was very difficult for me. Very, very difficult. And, uh, you know, you've gone from like running your own company, doing all these amazing jobs, you know, to, to beans kind of it just got overnight you know you're not psychologically prepared for it really yeah. and then um i kind of built myself up a little bit and it was you know i kept re i kept going to my doctor and he'd say oh you know there's nothing we can do in the nhs you just have to give it time you know and a, a week would go by a month would go by three months would go by six months would go by and a year would go by and this was like i said this was 2012 and then, uh, sorry, 2013. And, and then you get enrolled in like um, an ME clinic at one of the hospitals in Liverpool. And uh, you, but you have to be ill for nine months before they'll let you in there. Jeez, yeah. And at, at nine months in, you're pretty much sick and tired of, of being, it, you know? yeah. You know, it's like, it's like being a professional footballer who's broke his leg and you sat on the bench watching everybody else play and you're thinking, yeah. You want you want you scoring goals yeah. here. Yeah, you want you to know, be back so, up in the hills. So I, I, yeah, exactly. So so I remember going to I remember going to this meeting at the hospital and I walked in and it was unbelievable. I mean, those people in there in wheelchairs, those people in there with Zimmer frames who were my age, you know. Yeah. And and people a little bit older than me who and younger than me as well, you know, people of every walk of life who had it and um and i was really angry i was you know i was really and i, I was like getting cross with, with you know you had to say who you was your story and stuff and i was getting really cross and this guy came up to me actually afterwards and he was about 30 stone this guy yeah massive massive fella he was brilliant he was a really good guy and he came up to me and said he said mate i was just like you he said i was the same size as you i had a job in it he said, yeah. this is what it's done to me. Yes. Don't let it do this to you. Yeah. He said, stop being angry. And just, don't fight it. Don't do not fight it. Because if you fight it, you'll burn yourself out even more. Yeah. And I and and that I, I couldn't I couldn't accept it. You know, like you're seeing people coming in in wheelchairs and zim frames and you're thinking, no, I ain't going there, you know. And then, you know, that spurs you on to kind of you know, and then I started having counselling and therapy and stuff because just psychologically, you're not, you know, you're not prepared for it. Yeah, you're not prepared for it at 35 years old when you've got two kids who want to play with their dad. You know, and then I started to get a lot of abuse off people on, um, 
on social media, photography, they say, you know, because I started to get back into my photography, but it had changed. Because I couldn't do my job. I just couldn't yes. concentrate. Yeah. So, like, my job, like, I designed a lot of high-tech medical devices and laboratory equipment, you know. So my job was you'd get invited to go and see a lot of clinicians or scientists or, like, we did work with Lord Sugar, you know. Like, I've designed products yep. for Lord Sugar for his, his uh, screens and things like that. And you'd go into these meetings with these types of people, you know, multimillionaires, people who have built businesses from nothing, they're worth fortunes, you know. Like I've designed some really high-end skincare products for people, uh, very nope. successful people who, you know, celebrities use them and all that stuff. And you go into those meetings and you need to understand what they're telling you. You know, yeah. they're trying to... So, so we designed... Um, like blood testing equipment. So you had to take a blood sample off a patient and you had to put it into a machine and you had to warm it up to a certain temperature and then you had to aspirate it. You had to um, add a lot of different chemicals and you had to split the DNA out of the blood basically. And, and DNA right. is like D DNA is like a load of sausages in a water balloon. Yeah, That's all it is. And you have to drop that water balloon on a slide and get the water balloon to burst so you can read the sausages. Yeah. So that's how I would connect with technical yep. people you know they'd tell you the science and i'd put it down into something simple like that and they'd say yes. oh my god you understand what we're trying to do and you can do it yeah and in order to in order to get people to give you work you have to give them confidence that you understand what it because when you when you're a yeah. designer you say you're not selling like you've got a bookshelf behind you with a thousand products on it and you can say oh yeah i've got one of them you turn around you put when you're selling design yes. it doesn't exist yep so you have to convince somebody that you are the man for the job. Absolutely. And, and when you can't concentrate for more than about five or 10 minutes. It doesn't work. When, when you get overwhelmed with technical details. So you get really frustrated. So I started doing my photography a bit more and, you know, I just needed a break really. And then I started getting loads of abuse off people saying, all you ever do is take pictures from laybys, mate, you know, don't you ever don't you ever think about going up on the hills? And they didn't know about my condition, obviously. Yes. And that's a good example, isn't it, of how everybody's judged on social yeah. media or whatever it is. You yeah. Know? So there was I used to get a lot of abuse off people saying, Oh, you know, don't understand why you're so popular, you know, you never get out of your car and like walk more than five meters or something. Well, that was because I couldn't, you know. Yeah. And and it was quite interesting. And then as this kind of went on and on. Um, my my world became very small really and it was just like your phone stops ringing the people who you thought were your friends aren't really your friends and then you're living a life as a proper loner really and that's that's what happened and then I was having lots of counseling and therapy you know and I've had mental health yep. problems and stuff you know I've had anxiety I've had patches of depression and stuff you know and I'm you know I know there's a big taboo around people admitting that but you know I defy anybody who's listening to this to go through something like that and not be a bit fed up about it. Absolutely. You know, and and I tried to fight it and that just caused more problems. So yeah. admitting I had an issue was the main thing. Uh, and then I started having, I had loads of CBT counselling and things. And, and one of the things we worked out, and you'll know why I've told you this elaborate story in a minute, is... Um, I was really fed up, like properly fed up. You know, I was on I was on medication for a while because I was just I was just. You can understand why people commit suicide, basically. Yeah. You, know, you get you get to a point where you think. This is rubbish. There's nothing. Yeah. 
you know, you have you have things and you have family and you have things, but if you're a creative person and you can't create, yeah, you, what can you, you know, you yeah. and then you see everybody else doing it, yeah, and you think, you know, I was good at this. Yeah, it's the fr- it's the frustration and the anger and and it builds up inside it builds up inside you. Yeah, yeah. So so we worked out through having counselling that I used to have projects. So, for example, you know, I'd meet someone and you'd get a brief and then you'd, you'd yes, work yep. towards it and then you'd get an outcome and, and that, and you'd do that with a lot of other young men or women or whatever. Yep. You'd, you'd get the social side of life because you're working with people. Yep. You'd get a big sense of achievement because you think, well, we started with nothing and now... Yeah, you've got the output. We've got something and that company's making a load of money off it and it's yep. helping people's quality of life or whatever. And I was going just... I was sitting at home, literally yep. sitting at home doing nothing. You know, I'd wake up, I'd have my breakfast, and I'd sit there until bedtime. Yeah. And and it's horrible, you know. So we said, right, you need a project. So I, so I said, right, well, I've got all these photographs. And I've always fancied, like, putting them together in a book. So it was your and, project. And she, this woman said to me, this counsellor, she said, tell you what, that's a brilliant project. You can do it when your energy allows there's yep. no time constraints like with clients and things. Yes. Why don't you just go through your photographs, pick out your best ones, and make a book. And, and and see where you go from there. And I left that session thinking, right, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. And that that is literally where it came from. You know, like I, I haven't yeah, I haven't set out to make any money to be a oh, I'm an author or a publisher or anything. It was literally to save my life, I think. Yes. And and what I did was I put a few images together and I made a prototype of the book because I used to make a lot of prototypes at work and the prototype is here. Fantastic. Uh, so this is the first, pro- and it was a zine. So, yeah. and it's printed by uh, Maxim or... Yeah, one of, yeah. Yeah, you know, one of them online places. So I, I just made that. And I took, it to, I took it to my next counselling session and the woman said, oh my God, that's that's unbelievable. She said, because I think up until that point, I was just telling her I was like, I like taking photographs. Yes. And she kind of thought, oh, you know, it's like a... Loads of people like taking photographs. Yeah, everyone takes photographs yep. from it. Nothing. And when she saw this book, she went, you've actually taken these photographs? You know, she couldn't yeah. believe it. And I said, yeah, you know, so what? You know, and it was kind of nothing about it really. And then I, I think I told someone I was doing it and they said, oh, would you mind doing me a copy? Yeah. So I said, yeah, go on then. And I think I told my mum and she said, oh, well, I'll have a copy as well. <laughs> you know, because she has to have a copy because she's yes. my mum. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She's your best customer. And then I told a few other people. And then before I knew it, I think I needed 10 or 15 copies. Yes. And then I think I put it on social media or I sent it out to like my email marketing list or something like that. And then I needed 30 copies and I thought, bloody hell, this is quite interesting. And then, like, like I said, I got these like zines produced. Yes. And I, the reason I did the zine was because I thought that's going to be small and light, easy to post. You know, you can send them wherever you want. They're not going to cost a lot to post. Yep. They're not going to cost a lot to make. And then I think I got about a hundred people saying they'd have one. Like through my Facebook page and one thing or another, Instagram or whatever. So I thought, right, I, c- I can't make a zine anymore. It has, 
has to be you know, like, and I, t- I tell you, I tell you what, what, what did it for me. I've always had this feeling, and 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 I'm I'm not afraid of saying this, and I shouldn't say it, but I've always just thought I'm a loser from a council estate. You know, I've always had yeah this kind of. I don't know if it's imposter syndrome or just like low self-esteem or whatever. I mean, I'm always a, I'm a very confident person, but I've always just thought I'm not really, I never felt I was good at any, you know, and I am good at things because I've obviously built businesses and, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And stuff and, yeah. but I've always just thought I'm winging it, you know, and because I naturally do it, I don't feel like I'm trying to do it. You know, I don't feel yeah. like it's hard. I just, like the, the best product, the most successful products I've ever designed. Like I designed the most successful product I've ever designed. What's made somebody like 15 million pounds profit or something. I designed that riding my motorbike to the Island of Sky. Yeah. You know, and it, it, you know, so I've always just never felt I've tried to do it. it it's just been able Come to naturally. Yeah. So I thought, right, I'm going to upgrade this book. I'm going to make it like a case bound book. And it was around, this was around 2016, 2015, I think. Yeah. And uh, Sorry, 2017. And it, and I'm good mates with Colin Bell. And we yes. used to, like Colin Bell used to come around my house and we used to spend like a full morning just talking photography and business. And I mean, you know, I won't go into too much about Colin, but he's a, he's a really good guy, Colin. You yeah, know, he's really, really nice successful. guy businessman as well so i i admire him as a person i admire him as a businessman and i admire him as a photographer he's a really he's been yeah. a really good friend to me over the years and and likewise you know he was producing his book called healing yeah so we we spoke about that during the production of that and i kind of you know i was a bit of a a sounding board, I suppose. I mean, I don't think I gave him any real advice on it. I think he did what he wanted to do, but we talked about it a lot whilst it was in the idea phase, should we say? Yeah. And I just thought, do you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna see how Colin's book goes, and then I might do I might do it. And it's funny because I've always thought Colin is in a different category to me in photography. I I think Colin Bell is one of the best photographers there is, you know, and I. I always used to joke to Colin saying Colin's like a he's like an upmarket brand a really a really exclusive brand and I'm like Asda <laughs> smart price or something yeah. like that. you know I just thought yeah if you go on my website there's literally hundreds of things yes you go yep. on Colin's website it's all very considered and I'd love to be like that but I like too many things you know and yeah. I just put it out there yeah so so I, I admire Colin, I admire his work. And obviously we watched that, you know, that, like I think I'm the second person to be named in his book because I supported it, me and our collective mate, Justin Nugent. Yeah. Uh, who's a good friend with Colin. So I kind of watched that process unfold. And then I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do a hardback book as well. And then I went down the process of making it. And when I told people about it, they kind of got on board with it. And in the first year I sold a thousand copies. Yeah. Fantastic. And like, you've obviously got a copy of the book, so you'll know what it says in the introduction and yeah. you'll know what it says in the, in the conclusion at the end. Yeah. 
I, I very honest in it, really. Yeah, and I, I think everyone always appreciates the honesty. That's what for me. It's for me. I, I as as you know, I, I I love books. You can probably see the bookshelves behind me, and obviously everything that's on the website as well. And it's it's just a fantastic body of work. And I know it's 15, what fifteen years work, a fifteen year compilation of, yeah. of of your images, and and it's such an honest body is such an honest piece particularly the way you write about it at the start and the way you write about it at the end and what is all what also I, I find really quite you, you, maybe unique to a certain extent is that your first volume is 15 years of work and yeah. your, your second volume is a year shot shot, yeah. shot shot in a year which I think it, it it shows what you it shows what you can accomplish when you're when 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 you when you want to, and I, I, I'd be, I'd, I'd be interested. How did, were you ever? Did you ever have the thought of for your second volume of? Was did you always want to shoot that in a period of a year? Did you always want to start with fresh images, and did you have a new approach to what you were doing for the second volume? Because obviously, the, the first volume, as you say, it's it just take it takes you through the Lake District. And yeah. It, I, I I've been I, I've been down to the Lake District several times myself to photograph on trips and days mm. out and stuff like that. I've not been down for a while. It's fair. It's fairness in, in all fairness. But there's some locations that I, I or the number of locations that I recognise and I just think yeah, it's it's fantastic. They're always ones to add to the list. But then it's the beautiful intimate shots as well. That yeah. they could, they, they could yeah. be. They're not. They, while they are from a specific location, they could be anywhere in the lakes. They could be anywhere. And yeah. I, I really like those as well because it, it give, it gives people a sense of these, these. I could be shooting this in my, in my backyard, yeah. um, but it, it puts all into context with the, with the big vistas and the big panoramas as well. well yeah, well, I think, I think, I think that touches upon what we were talking about earlier, yeah. which is shooting for yourself, you know, and kind of, you know, though every image in that book, I really like. Yes, and, and and I made a decision at that. I, I, we can get on, maybe get onto this in a minute, but it, it's really interesting how, you know, if I, if I was going to make that book again now, it would be totally different now. Yeah, you know, because but that's that's what that's what a book is. It's a capture of that moment in time. Like absolutely, I I, um, I worked with Thomas Heaton on his book, so I helped him with all the production of that book, and I helped it. You know, he knew, we, you know, he knew nothing about books up until me and him became friends, sort of thing. And a few years ago, and we we went out shooting together, and he always said, "I want to make a book, but I just don't know how to do it." And I love, he said, "I absolutely love your book and how you've made that." And you yeah, know, we we got talking about about that and how that came about, and you know, my advice is just always to leave it a bit of time but just just to go back a, a step or two the things what I've put in that book I wasn't going to put I wasn't going to talk about my personal situation in that book whatsoever yes because I don't think people are interested I don't think like people might listen to this and I think oh listen to this guy with his sub story you know and and to be honest I ain't bothered what people think it's it doesn't yep. matter but though I I am 
or I want to be, or I used to be, or I'm still trying to be a very positive person, you know, and I don't want people to pick up that book and feel sorry for me or feel like yes. it's, yeah. it's kind of, oh, let's, you know, let's give do this guy a favour or anything like that. It's not about that at all. But then the more people who actually knew about the story said, you have to put that in the book. Yeah. You have to be honest, you know, you have to put it in. And you think yeah. because it, it has more context. Absolutely. It, 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 it gives everything story. context. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and you know, all this grief I was getting about, oh, you're a lazy photographer. You don't, you like, you don't go up any mountains or anything. Well, you know, I never, I never defended myself and told them the reason why it was, you know, yeah. yeah. You just, you just don't let it, you know, get to you. So I thought, you know, I'm going to be really honest with that book and, and put it out and, uh, they are my best image, you know, at, th at that time in 2016, 17, that yep. is what I called my okay. favorite images. And, and they went in there for that reason. And it, it wasn't done because I think it'll be popular with other people. It was, it was a personal project that Absolutely. book was produced out of me having counseling for mental health issues. Yeah. It wasn't made as a commercial project. Yep. You know, it, it was made to stop me going for a long walk and not coming back you know yeah, yeah and, and absolutely whatever it might be and i think what happened with it was i numbered and signed every book yes um which i wouldn't recommend doing that to people <laughs> because two reasons one it's a lot of work and the other one is if you lose count you're buggered <laughs> Actually, and yeah. sometimes I did have to actually email people and say, "What Can number you do us a favour and just tell me what number?" Book? Yeah, you know, because because obviously of where I am. But um, so what happened? I was selling around eighty books a week, maybe or eighty books a month at one point. Uh, so I entered the book into Lake District Book of the Year competition, and I came category runner-up with in that book in that competition, sorry. So I got a bit of press on the back of that. I got the book into Waterstones bookshops in Kendall, Lancaster, Barrow and Carlisle. Yeah. Um, a lot of independent bookshops took it on as well. And I was selling quite a few, you know, and, and I got used to having the income and I'm thinking, bloody hell, I thought, this is running, this is going to run out. Because <laughs> you know? yes, yeah, it was it. only a thousand copies. And, and I just thought to myself, what am I going to do when, because you see at this point, like I've been, I have a problem with the term professional photographer because I can be quite unprofessional at times, but a lot of people seem to define professional by you make your living off of it. Yes. Yeah. So, so in a way, you know, that's been me for nearly 10 years now. Yeah. Um, you know, and you get used to, you then introduce a book, which gives you another stream of income as, you know, on top yeah. of your, your prints or whatever. Um, and I'm lucky in a way, really. And, and I, I do think I'm lucky, although, you know, I have worked very hard for it, really. That You know, the book went all over the world. People from every country in, in the world were buying it. And then as it was coming to an end, I thought, do you know what? I can reprint that and do it again, which I did. I have actually had more copies printed. Yeah. But then I thought, I'm not going to sell them to the people who bought it first time around. Yes. So I'm going to do another one. And I actually I actually wanted to do it. I'll tell you the honest reason why I wanted to do a second one. Because by the end of the first one, 
I didn't like book one anymore. <laughs> and, and the reason I didn't like it is because I looked at the photographs and I thought, I can do better than that. Yeah. I'm a be- I thought I'm a better photographer than, than that. Because yeah. what, you, what you, you touched on it earlier is going, it's going back 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's some images in there where I was shooting with Canon DSLRs, you know, where the image what comes onto your computer just looks like a grey mush. And, yeah. and you have to edit it within an inch of its life to make it look real. You know, and I was quite, you know, I wasn't shy of using a lot of contrast and saturation and things like that. And, you know, I look at some of the images now and I think, I mean, I was having a conversation with Alex Nail recently about this, about Christmas time. And he said, when I look, he bought my book and he said, when, when I look through your book, there's some images in there where I just cringe at, you know, <laughs> and Alex and I, you know, I wouldn't say we're, we're, we're very similar in that we're very opinionated and we're not afraid of saying what we think. Yeah. So, so I, I respect him for that, you know, and yeah, and, and I agree with him. And what he said was, yeah, I said, but that image was taken in 2004. Absolutely. What, what were you doing in 2004, mate? You yeah. know? Yeah. And what was anyone doing in 2004 with photography when it yes. just became digital? Yeah. Times, so, times have changed. Yeah. So, so I thought, do you know what? Do I want to be remembered for that book? And do I want people to, to think that's how I take photographs? And I felt I'd moved on really. So... So I set myself the challenge of thinking, right, what can I do in, in a year? Yeah. And that's what book two is. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's an honest cycle of the season. I mean, there's some images in there. What Would I put them in a third book again? I'm not sure I would, but it's, it's an honest account of what happened in autumn, what happened in summer, what happened in spring, you know, and, and winter. And Yeah. And, and I think also because it's all been shot in a year there there's a real consistency to the style and the process and then the technique and, and yeah. the composition it's as you as you touch upon as alex says it's your first book's over 15 years so over 15 years your style composition technique what your eye captures will have will have naturally changed whereas with with your second volume it's, it really feels so coherent yeah be, because you've got it it's within a real defined time scale and yeah. you're going out shooting week after week after week and it's uh it's it really holds together very very nice and i like the square format of the book as well i think i think it presents particularly the portrait photography i think as you as you mentioned as well quite nice quite a, just a bit better than maybe the the A4 landscape format. Does. Yeah, well, well, to to be honest with you, that that I know, I know in previous episodes of of your podcast, you've spoke about like the design and and the thought yeah. process. So, you know, I guess because I'm a design engineer, really, you, you know, a lot, a lot of people think you just sit there with felt tips, drawing pictures and stuff, you know, and it's just not about that at all. It's more about, you know, designing something for production. Yes, and, and you know, it's usually in China, or it might be like a a high-end one-off product made in the UK in scientific yep. industry or something. And you've always, you can't design, you can't design something and then give it to an end, you know, to like a production company and say, right, go and make that. Because they'll just say, well, it's going to cost 800 quid and it's going to take me three months to build it. You, yep. know, you need to design it with the production in mind. So, so I did that with my, so my first book is A4 Landscape. Yes. And I wanted to try and get it as a large letter on the Royal Mail. 
Yes. Yep. Absolutely. But do you know what the problem is? The weight, because yeah. it's one and a half kilos. It's just too heavy. Yep. And, and that's, you see, what, what I wanted from my books, you see, I, I'm, I'm not very well known in the photography community, should we say, like yep. on social media. I'm, I'm not, I don't believe I'm like a household name in landscape photography. I mean, I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, and that's, that's all right with me because they're not my customers. Yes. Yep. So, so people know me f- for my prints. Yep. And when I want, when then people buy my books, I want them to feel like they're getting a collection of my prints. Prints. Yeah. So the design of my book is, is it's almost like you could cut any page out and, and you've been sent a print. Yes, absolutely. And, and the reason I did that is I did actually think about doing a box set of prints and I've yep. bought Ben Horn's box set yes. of prints yep. with like three years running, you know, yep. and, and I think, and I think that's a really good way of doing it. But the reason I didn't do that is because I don't have the energy to sit there and yeah. print out and cut and stick it all together. <laughs> and when you work it out from a commercial point of view, though, it's just not, it's, it's suicide, financial yeah. suicide, you know, whereas if you make a thousand books, what, you know, you know what your buy price is, you know what your sell price is. You know where you don't it's have to physically do anything after that. Yes. So there was, you know, there was a lot of like commercial decisions went into it. Absolutely. About postage, about design, about layout. Like I, I get a lot of people emailing me say, no, oh, there's not a lot of text in your book, is there? Like, where's this? Where's that? And I, and I know you've had this discussion before with, with other uh, guests. I want the picture to the picture's the thing you're buying. It doesn't need, I mean, as yeah. you've already, as you've now worked out, I can talk for England a bit, you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I could just go forever, you know, and, and I, I want the work to speak for itself. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and a lot of people emailing me say, Oh, where's this? Where's that? And, I, and I'll just say, well, does it really matter? Yeah. yeah. Where, where it is. Can you not appreciate it for, for the image? For what it is. So then when I did book two, I did put captions on that just to say where it was because I was I, I did that <laughs> just because I thought I, I don't want emails off people. Yes. And I did actually put in the back, if you want more technical information about it, just contact me on social media or something. Yeah. Um, I, I don't overly think settings, you oh. know, like the ex- who cares about that? Yeah. Because the thing, the thing is settings and that, they, it varies depending on, what time of year what time of day it, there's so many factors that do, do you know the only people who care about that are people who are learning photography yes yeah people because people people who are starting out who are maybe thinking right okay how did how did someone actually accomplish that yeah. and i can i can kind of understand from that perspective if they're maybe looking at a shot and thinking right i've been to the same location maybe s- similar sorts of time and the shot that i got was so totally different <clears throat> Am I doing something that's totally wrong? And it might be such a simple thing such as shutter speed is 10 stops different or something like that that's just yeah. doing them. And I, so I can understand from that perspective. But uh, yeah, I'm, everyone, I think when I speak to people, everyone has their own preference in terms of what information they put in books. Some people like to disclose a lot. Some people like to have the, mm. a contact sheet at the back with locations times of year which it, again it, it all varies depending on 
the subject matter, if it's very specific locations, then perhaps a uh, time of year is of an interesting point to people because it maybe lets them see that how, how a particular shot location yeah. changes over that time. Um, it's, it, I think it all comes down to personal preference. I don't think there's any right or wrong way. No, well, it, you see, I've done two experiments with both my books. The first experiment is, so wh when I was coming up with the first book, I remember conversations with Colin Bell and myself where I said to him, what I'm going to do, Colin, is I'm going to make it chronologically ordered. So I'm going to put like my oldest pictures first, right the way up to my newest picture. And that seemed to yes. make sense to me because I, I thought, you know, you're going to start off with, you're going to see a journey. You're going to see yep. How you've a, guy, yeah. a, a guy you kind of just about knew what he was doing towards the modern day me, you know, who's more accomplished, if you will. Yes. And I thought there would be a story in that. And Colin said to me, he said, nobody cares about that, James. He said, nobody's interested in your journey. Nobody cares about how good or how bad a photographer you are. He said, I think that's a mistake. So I said, right, fair enough. Uh, so I organized it into categories. Yep. So, so as you'll see, there's like, uh, you know, certain locations. Yes. Or industrial Lakeland or the yep. Lakeland Fells or whatever. And that seemed to have some coherence to it. And But then with the second book, I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to do it in date order. So the first images in the book are created uh, in January. Yep. And the last ones are created in November, you know, December. Yes. Yep. And the year flows through like that. And I, and I think, I think people like like that because it is like a a year you know in the life of you know yes and i'll tell you another interesting fact as well about having produced two books you get judged against yourself whereas if i've if i'd have only ever produced the first book yeah then oh james bell's produced a book and it's x or it's y whereas when you've produced two they're in competition you see yeah. so the book one yeah the, like I've got about 300 and something reviews of book one on my website from people who have bought it, which is quite interesting actually, because not, you know, when you know the percentage of people who actually leave reviews, that shows you how many I've sold. But the, the thing with book one is, I think anybody can pick up book one and get it instantly because a lot of the photographs are what I would call postcard type scenes. Yes. You know, and, and I know a lot of photographers say, oh, I don't want to be associated with that. But that's what that's I was doing 15 years ago. Absolutely. You know, so, so I've I've put that out. And I think the average person picks up a book and what they want to see is bright sunrises, bright sunsets, poppy, contrasty images. Like you look at what's popular on social media and it's all images like that, isn't it? Mm. You know, you look at people scrolling yeah. and it's the stuff what's obliterated with editing what stops people in the tracks, you know. And so that was book one. And then book two is a lot, lot more subtle. And, and the reason for that is obviously I've developed, but it's also, it's exclusively shot on my Hasselblad X1D as well. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's a Leica image in there as well. Uh, but it's, it's, I think it's like 99% uh, yeah. medium format digital. And, and the reason I invested in that system was because like, you'll know from a photography point of view, if you go out and have a day, you know, a day or an hour or two hours shooting, you, let's say you make 40, 50 images, 100 images, you spend as much time or more time editing those images at your computer, don't you? Absolutely. 
when you've got chronic fatigue syndrome or me you can't you can't do that do, like yeah. you used to so i used my illness to thinking right i need to take less images and spend less time processing okay. them yeah because i haven't got the energy to sit there and think okay. about like like even now like i i've only just fit i mean we're in january now aren't we I've only just finished editing my autumn shoots from the Lake District, and it's now sort of yeah. a week into January. But what's good about that camera is the, the images what come out of the X1D, they, they require very little. I mean, Minimal. a lot of people on my, on my, you know, I make vlogs on YouTube, so a lot of people say, oh, why don't you do a video on editing? And honestly, that would be the shortest video ever produced on editing because I, I might just two sliders and that's it it's done yeah um so so when a lot of people get book two they always come back and say oh um i'm a bit underwhelmed with book two because it's totally different to book one like yes. book one's very vibrant very poppy yeah very dslr saturated and all that stuff and then book two is a bit more muted a bit more faithful to the scene if you will yes and then do you know what Every time somebody said that, they've come back to me about a month later and said, I want to retract that. <laughs> book two is 10 times better than book one. It's And, and yeah. the word what's been used is more intelligent, more considered. Yeah. And and when you read the introduction to book two, that's exactly what I was trying to do. Yeah. And that's what I set out to do. So I was like, I, I, I haven't looked at these books, you know, for for months, like sat down and looked through them. And I did it yesterday, knowing that we were doing this today. And I felt amazing after doing that. Yeah, I felt yeah. really proud. And I just thought, do you know something? That's really, and I thought, that's that's really good. I've forgotten how, how, did, how yeah. I, I connected. And I just felt so proud of like the fact that how that book came about yeah. and why it exists and how many people have supported it. Absolutely. And are you working on a volume three now as well? Or are you I am, yeah, yeah. So And is that taking a different direction or or how will that compare to volumes one and two? It'll be miles better, I reckon. <laughs> but it has but, to be well, though, doesn't well, it? Well the thing the thing is you, you you learn you learn from your experiences of just even the physical object of book one, which you're mm. then able to implement in book two you get involved in other people's, you see other people's books, how they've done things, what they've maybe incorporated. And you, you it's, a, it's always a learning process. Yeah, well, yeah it, it, you're totally 100% correct with that. The, the thing is, the, the book format won't change. It, it will be yes. just like a continuation of yep. volume two. But I think I've grown and developed as a photographer. Yes. And, and you know how I think I've enabled to do that by making the book. And this is something I think when you commit to making a book and the expense of doing it and the risk of doing it and the judgment you're going to get off people, yep. it makes you really think, you know, instead of just casually yeah. dropping an image onto your website or onto a social media every now and then saying, yeah. oh, this is what it was like yesterday. When you string all that together as a body of work, like T Thomas Heaton said to me, and I don't think he'll have a problem with me saying this. He said, he thinks Capture Lake and Volume 2 is the best pr produced photo book he's ever seen in terms of design, layout, quality of materials and, and production. And 
and he wanted his book to be of that same standard sort of quality you know i mean as a product designer you know as a designer who creates physical products i wanted my book to be something people you know like the choice of paper i used and yeah every decision what went into that book i made yes myself over a period of time and i and, and if you read a lot of the reviews of that book, a lot of people pick up on that, the design of it. You know, I'm not talking the graphical design. Uh, I'm talking the, the, the materials. The fi- the yeah, the physical, yeah. And so so volume three is going to be, it's going to look like it belongs with the previous volume, but I think my photography's got better. And what I mean by that is I've taken less images this year than I've ever taken. Yeah. Probably because we were locked down for a long time. <laughs> but also because I'm making more conscious decisions prior to pressing the shutter. Yep. Which I want to do. Um, I've invested in a tilt shift tilt shift system for my medium format setup yep. now, which I always used to use the Canon tilt shift systems in the past. I haven't had that for a few years and now I've I've got that so I can make the images I want to make now, which are more portrait in orientation. Yep. The more this immense depth of field from very close objects. So I'm really excited about like like I, I went on 99 separate landscape photography shoots this in 2020. Yeah. Despite the lockdown. And and what I do is when I when I edit the photographs, I give them I flag the ones I want to edit, I then edit them. And the, be- the best ones of that shoot are five-star them. Yeah. And then I have a smart collection in Lightroom called Capture yep. Lib and Volume 3. <laughs> it's five-star images yes. from that year. And when I've looked in that folder, I could probably make five books. Yeah. So the the thing I'm noticing now, because is I'm getting judged more by other photographers, whereas before my customers were... 55-year-old women from the West Midlands who just like coming on all day to the Lake District. Yeah. You know, and, and with all due respect to them, you know, they have a different idea on what's a nice photograph to a yes. Bruce Percy of the world and people like that, you know. Yeah. So I think that's the transit. That's where I am really is trying to think yeah. how... Yeah, it's a different approach. You know, and I think when you when you've done something for 20 years... You have to change and evolve. You can't just keep turning up at Grassmere, standing in somebody else, you know, the footprints you've already stood in. Yeah. You need to look at you, how you just, yeah. develop as a person. Yeah. And push it and, and push yourself to yeah. yourself in different directions. Some work, some don't. Um, yeah. And it's always a, con- a constant process of exploration, and some ideas will work and some ideas won't. And, as you say, it's you get your smart collection of the of your 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 best images. The challenge is then getting those best images down to the best of the very best that yeah. will work and that work coherently. Because as as we all know, you can you can look at a, a line, and as we we're talking about before, you can look at a line of ten images or something like that, and there might be one that really s- sticks out. It could be one of your favorite images. But if it doesn't work in the set, you've got to question what is it, is it enhancing the value of the rest of the images? And actually, yeah. by taking that one image out, you make the other nine images such a stronger, such a stronger body of work. And 
that's mm. where the, that's where the challenges then come as well. And but it's all part of the process, and it's all it's all part of the, for me. It's all part of the enjoyment as well. Yeah, I, th- I think. Do, do you know what um, what I've learned from self publishing the two books, and obviously helping Thomas with his book, and. and you know, I, I did say to him, I said, when you finish, when you think you've finished it, walk away for six weeks, two yeah. months, and then and then come back to it. And he said, I can't do that because I'm going to Patagonia or wherever he was going. And he said, I've got a window of opportunity to do it and get it out. And then, you know, because like he, he's on a different level to every other photographer in the world is that guy because of his audience and his reach. You know, his market is just, um, I mean, you know, he's so popular. you know he has to plan ahead and I look at both of those books I've made and think I wouldn't put that image in that book again so what I'm going to do with volume three is I've set myself the target of using January to March to put it together yeah and then I was going to launch it in April and the reason I've allowed three months is see what I did with volume two is I actually I got I got um I got autumn out the way I got up to Christmas. I dealt with all my Christmas orders because that's the busiest time of year for me. And then I thought, right, in January, I'm going to design and produce the book to launch in February or March. And and I think I made a mistake by um, doing it too quickly. Not, not taking the images, but from when it was finished in InDesign and I looked at it, Yes. I kind of, you know, you, you read through it all and you spell check everything and you try and make sure you haven't made any silly mistakes. And then you think, right, let's go with it. And and that's probably a hang up of me being a design engineer where, you, you know, you're on a deadline to get something in production for a trade show or something like that. Yeah. Whereas I think when, you know, and a lot of them products you'll design can then be revised, like, for example, look at look at phones and things. You know, every year there's a new one coming out. Yeah. Whereas a book is forever. Once it's, you know, done, once it's done, it's done. It's done. So I think what I've learned and what I would advise other people to do is, you know, go through a very, whatever process you want to use to, to put your images together, do that. But when you think you've finished, walk away for a while and then come back and, and look at it again because... Yeah. You change, you change, and it's amazing how much you change and how your thoughts and your feelings yeah. change. Um, whereas, you know, I, I get, I always relate this to music. You know, let's say me and you were in a band, and we write a song and we play it yeah. a thousand times to each other, and then we perfect it. By the time you go out and play that to someone else, you're sick of hearing it, probably. Yeah. And you know, like you look at some of the bands from the seventies and eighties who were asked to play those songs again, and you can't tell me they really enjoy playing that every time. Yeah. You know, it's almost like my God, how many more times? And I, I've often looked at my photography like that, thinking, did I have a hit record in two thousand and seven when I took the retreat image, and will yeah. I ever beat it? You know. Yeah. But but that's as you say. It's I think it's a good point to make actually. Once you think you've got to the point of completion take a break or even pass it over to someone else as well because you get a fresh pair of eyes and you I think you begin to see what you want to see whereas coming back after a bit of a break or handing it to someone who's got no emotional connection to the work or who's not seen it before they they'll they'll spot things that not necessarily are right or wrong but they spot things that you wouldn't necessarily see because you you begin to look through the work at a different speed and you, you you know what you're expecting to see whereas they're looking at it and thinking, 
it's, it's, it's a different consideration they're taking into account. And I think it, it can only but improve and help and, yeah. and, 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 and just finesse yeah. it because it, it does get down to finessing little details and it might just be as simple as two images need to be switched around on a page yeah. as opposed to one on the left and one on the right actually yeah. just the simple things such as switching them around can can begin to make differences and yeah. I always find it interesting when people have asked me to look through drafts of what they see and it's at the end of the day it's only ever just my opinion but it's I'm looking at it with a different set of eyes and no yeah, connection. you're not personal. Yeah, I've got no personal connection. I don't yeah. know. I've, I've, I don't have a favorite image. I don't have one image that I think is really, really nice, or I don't have yeah. two or three images, or and I don't know what their favorite images are. So it's just saying, right, okay, one well, fact, they all work nice, but the tone on that image doesn't fit in with the rest of them, and it might just be a, a slight, minute adjustment, but it, it can all enhance it and. I think I think that's that's one of the wonderful things that there's people out there who you can um, use as sounding boards to to, to yeah. improve the work. Yeah. See, see, when I made Capsulate the first copy, this is um, this is a draft of it which I printed out at home. Yeah. And it, this isn't bound. Every page is like a, a unique A4 piece of paper. Yes. Just put it together, and I used I used that as a way of you know, yep. sequencing it or saying what sits well with another image, you know. And Absolutely. I, you know, I, I'm quite, I, you know, I'm, I'm a very transparent, honest sort of person, I think, and I can tell you with 100% certainty that when I produced Capsulate on Volume 1, I didn't know anything about what I was doing. Yeah. I, I just was putting a few images together on what I thought I liked. And Yes, and you know there was no conscious. You know, you know, if you was to plan this out, like you, you could probably write a book on how to make a photo book, a photographer's guide to self-publishing a photography book. There's yeah. an idea for you. So, <laughs> you know, and you could talk about sequencing. You could talk about design. I, I never formalized the process like that. I kind of yeah. just went through Lightroom and said, "Yeah, I like that. I like that, and I like that." And then I stuck them all in a, a thing, and I. I, there was no sort of uh, conscious effort to, yeah. Right today, I need to sequence my book. It, and I think as you've done one, and then you've seen the result, and you've got the feedback, you do another one, and then you start to think, hang on a minute, yeah, there is a value in doing that. And yeah. I am a big fan though of not overthinking stuff, and, and that's been a challenge for me in my in the last few years. You know, especially with having chronic fatigue, because you can get. You know, as your energy starts to go lower and lower and lower, you make you can't make decisions. So then you get upset and frustrated and yes. one thing or yeah. So it's almost like it forces you to be efficient because you say, right, I've got to make a decision by three o'clock, or this is going to make me ill. Yeah. yeah. Because if, if I allow this to go on, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll make the wrong decision. I'll make yeah, I won't make a decision. Yeah. And it's it's quite interesting now. Um, I I've. You know, like with my photography, really, I've learned in the public eye, you know, I haven't done everything behind closed doors and then had a big fanfare and said, look, there's a there's a release. Yeah. It's like a natural evolution in the public yeah. eye. Well, I'll be I'll be I'll be fascinated to see what comes out of volume three and yeah. and just how it's I wouldn't necessarily say it developed, but just how it's finessed from 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 what you've experienced one producing books. But two also as as you've developed as a photo as a photographer as well and developed yeah. your, and finessed your style and and 
and and and your eye and and what appeals and how that then just translates. And it'll be interesting as well to see the feedback, as you said, from your from volume two, from volume two, the feedback changed from a lot of maybe the volume one traditional customers as they yeah. as they saw it was a different style. Be and it'll be interesting to see if you find a similar sort of feedback or in, or if in fact people know what they expect and this is the this is the new style that they've come to come to, come to expect yeah one one of the things what stuck out with me on the number of people who have said to me i've never bought a photography book in my life till i bought your book or i've never i mean so, some person said to me i've never actually bought a hardback coffee you know what is a coffee table book yeah, yeah. i've never bought one and then they'll say but i can't put it down and, yeah. and I'll look at it religiously, like on a Sunday morning or when I'm having a coffee or something like that. And, you know, or I'll get home from work and I'll be, I mean, there's a, there's a woman from Lancashire somewhere who, she works in the NHS. I think she's in ICU or something like that. And she says, when I come home you know, with COVID, you know, she's messaged me yes. recently. She says, I can't tell you how, you know, stressed I am. And I pick up your book. And it relaxes and, me. And it just goes away. And yeah. And she said, I don't think you appreciate how valuable that book is. Yeah. And, and do you know, do you know, I think I think one of the biggest problems people have when they produce a photography book is they're making it for other photographers. And it's the same with prints as well. You know, a lot of them are trying to satisfy the peers, you know, on social media and all this sort of stuff. And you know, you know, I see all these clicks on social media of all these photographers and I always feel like I'm an, a total outsider. You know, I don't feel like I belong in any of those groups. And and then I have to remind myself that my supporters aren't other photographers. And, you know, and I'm yeah. not trying to alienate myself from other photographers, but, you know, I'm not, I, I, I've never thought I'm popular, you know, and like I'm, that my, my photography is, accredited by other photographers you know i don't think people look at my images and say i wish i'd have taken that you know like i i often give that compliment to people you know because i think as a photographer that's probably the best compliment you can ever get as a photographer yeah you know yeah. i wish i'd have taken that, that. and yeah. there's so many images i wish i'd have taken like that but um so so may, maybe i'm a bit more conscious about about that and maybe volume three will be a bit more considered yeah. And maybe other photographers, and whether they do or they don't, it's kind of irrelevant, really. But yeah. maybe they'll yeah. look at it and think, do you know what? This is actually all right. And um, who knows? Yeah. But, you know, so long, I think as so long as you're developing, That's as long it, as you're yeah. moving forward, and w what I've learned is to satisfy yourself. You know, it's about, it is your photography. It's not... You know, this whole thing about I'm going out to take pictures for someone else, to, unless that person's paying you to do that, why, why are you even, that's suicide to me. I mean, when I mentioned that to uh, to the painter from Grasmere, he, he looked at me as if to say, have you actually just said that? Yeah. You know, he's, and I said, no, I, I don't, you know, I'm not doing that, but people are saying they're going out to make images what other people are like. And as a painter, he just thought that was ridiculous. Yeah. What a stupid thing to say. Yeah, you know, shoot if, for if, yourself. If you're an artist, you know, we all find where we fit, don't we? And what genre we like, and 
what look we like, what style we like, even if we have a style. And I don't think I don't think you need to have a style. I think people overthink it. Yeah. You know. I think I think it comes. Everyone has a different approach, and everyone everyone's approach and their journey changes over time based on mm-hmm. a whole variety of experiences and and variables that a lot of which none of us have got any control over. Yeah, you, you, you know, one of the things I find really fascinating about landscape photography or photography in general really is the context in which an image is made. And that's why I love making vlogs on YouTube because the, a, a thought, right, so every photograph in my books there, there's probably 120 photographs in book one. Each one of those photographs has got a backstory. Yeah. You know, it's got a story I could tell you what happened on that. I remember taking them. And, you know, when, when you're reviewing photographs of, you know, if you just pick a random page in my book and, and, and review that photograph, you don't know what the conditions were like on that day, what I was feeling on that day, yeah. you know, and what I have to deal with in terms of my energy levels and all the rest yeah. of it. Like if you, like a lot of the images have been a real struggle for me to make. Yeah. You know, and, and w- what happens with me is you run on adrenaline. So like I am now, you know, you, you kind of, you get this emergency adrenaline to get you through something. Yeah. And then afterwards you crash and yeah. for two days you, you've, you're ruined, you know? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of those images I've made in book two, certainly were fueled on espresso. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you know, I was drinking two liters of espresso a day in yeah. autumn of 2018 to make that book. Good. Yeah. And and the I can't tell you how bad the crash after that was. It was for months I was ruined, you know. Yes. And and then people will look at that image and say, Well, that's not that good an image, is it? And if you knew how difficult it was for me to actually get out of bed and make that image, yeah, you might have a appreciate. different appreciation of it. Absolutely. And I yeah. think, you know, so that, so why I like vlogs on YouTube. Whether yeah, you're a beginner yeah. or you're a you're a a master at photography, the person who's looking at the image gets the appreciation of what that person went through to make it. So, yeah. for example, if you saw my uh, recent YouTube video called um, "The Most Exhilarating Landscape Photography Shoot of My Life," and it was a severe weather warning from the Met Office, and it was yeah. like seventy mile an hour winds and stuff, if you'd have seen the image, what come out at the end of that, you'd have thought, "Well, that's crap." And it might be crap, and I'm not bothered what what yeah. anybody thinks. But the journey from me getting that image, yeah, that was the best shoot of my life that day. Yeah, and yeah. and it's irrelevant what the image comes out like, you know. And I've Absolutely. got that experience now, and yes. I've got that thing. And if me and you would have done that together, you would have done it differently. You would have set up differently. You would have taken it differently. And that's your photography. Yeah, and this one's mine. You'd have and, Two, do- two totally different outputs, even though you could have yeah. been standing side by side. And and, yeah, and, and, that, and that's it. And you're feeling something. I'm yeah. feeling something. You know, so so when a lot of people, you know, you talk about constructive criticism on social media and things, yeah. it's totally irrelevant. Yeah. Because you weren't there. Yeah. You know, it's like saying, I would have done that differently if I was playing that gig. Well, you don't know how you would feel in that position in front of the crowd you know doing that thing and 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 that's why i never get bothered by it really because it's so yeah. you know i think growing up as a as a designer where i had to stand up in front of 
many, many people who were more intelligent than me, cleverer than me, more successful than me, and tell them my ideas. You know, you know they, they know this thing inside out, and I've, I'm a random guy who's only known about it for five minutes, and I'm presenting my idea to you to change your industry. Yeah. Quite often, and quite often you would, you know, and so you, you become accustomed to kind of putting yourself out there, putting yourself out there, but not taking it too seriously. What? Yeah. You know, you've got yeah. to look at the positive. So if, if somebody criticizes something I do, then, you know, I I will. It just goes over, washes over me. You know, I mean, yeah. I I know I know how much money I make every year from landscape photography. I know. I read the emails people send to me about what my images mean to them. Absolutely. And you, you can't get a better a and, better experience and better response to your work when you when you do get the emails from people. And, and that's all I need, really. Like yeah. I, I, I want to give you one quick example and then we can move on. So so I've got this image in book one. All right, let me show you where it is so you can have a look at it. Yeah. So it's on page. Uh, 16. Okay. So it's it's the, the butter me a tree image. Yes. So I, I made that image on New Year's Eve in 2008. So I okay. walked around Buttermere on my I, I went there on my on my motorbike and I parked there. Yeah. I walked I walked around Buttermere on my own and I, I took that image and I took a few more on that day as well, what have been successful. And um I've sold quite a few well quite a lot of copies of that image and a lot of you know obviously the trees and it, it, it looks like a twig a, a, a yes. dead old twig now yeah um when i was selling in the gallery in staveley i used to go in there on a saturday sometimes to like restock stuff and when i was in there one day there was a lady who was uh, she was in my booth looking at that print and i kind of went in there and she didn't know who I was, which was brilliant, yes. you know, like being a blind shopper type thing. Yeah. And I stood next to her and I said, oh, she said to me, oh, that's beautiful, that, isn't it? And I said, oh, yeah, it looks all right, doesn't it? And we got chatting about it. And then she said, right, I'm, I'm going to buy that. And I said, oh, well, the photographer will be really grateful for you buying that. You know, he's, he'll be really appreciative of you supporting him, you know. And then she took it to the counter to buy it. And the guy who owns the gallery said, oh, he's talked you into buying it then, has he? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, what do you mean? I goes, well, he took it. And she was like, really? And I, I was, I said, well, I've, I've said nothing, you know. Anyway, she, she lived down in London somewhere. And then about four years later, she emailed me and said, oh, we're coming up to the Lady Street. Uh, can you tell me where that tree is? Um. So I replied back to her on an email with a Google map and I said, right, there's the tree. Yeah. There's the car park. You can park there, walk down there, take the photograph. And I said to her on the email, I said, oh, I'd be really interested to see uh, what photograph you get, you know. So, yeah. you know, you'll have to, because I haven't been there for a while, you'll have to email me and, uh, yeah. and let me see. Because I used to get, e I get emails all the time. Oh, where's this? Where's that? You yeah. Yeah. And she replied saying, oh, no, James, I'm, I'm not going there to photograph it. I'm going there to scatter my mother's ashes. Oh, dear. And she said, she said, I've nursed my mum at home for the last three years. Mm -hmm. And every day we've sat looking at your image on my fireplace. And yeah. it's brought back all these memories of holidays as children and, you know, life events in the Lady District 
over yeah. the course of my, you know, she, she, this was a woman in her fifties, you know, yeah. and her mum was, must've been in her eighties, nineties or whatever. And her, her mum turned around and said, when I die, can you scatter my ashes at James's tree? So when you look at his picture, you'll think of me. Very nice. Lovely. So, you know, and then people say to me, oh, you haven't won any competitions, have you? You, know, you haven't won landscape photographer of the year. You haven't won like, you know, these weekly competitions. Well, I haven't won them because I don't enter them. Yeah. And I, I don't need, I don't really need that. I don't need other photographers to tell me my yeah. photography is worthwhile when I've got people. Seeing you and stuff like, like that. that. Absolutely. And I can't think of, you know, I'm very much into that. You know, the reason I wanted to tell you about the design background and things is because yeah. I'm very much into the emotional connection of a product or a thing. You know, if if, if yeah. we didn't appreciate design and creativity, we'd all still live in caves and we'd all have our, but we'd all have our favourite axe, you know, with a nice smooth handle and all that. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, so I like the the tangible thing of photography, yeah. you know, the, the physical end product. To me, that's what completes the circle of absolutely. You know, yeah. whether it's a framed print, a postcard, or a book. But yeah. in the context of this discussion, I don't think you can produce anything more rewarding than a photography book of your images. Like, if yeah. you if you look at, you know, and I have to remind myself of this quite regularly. If I look at Capture Lakeland, I came up with the idea. I came up with the design, I laid it out, I produced every image what's in it, I wrote every word what's in it, I liaised with, you know, and you think, my God, you've actually created something. What's Absolutely, now in the yeah. British Library, it's got an yeah. ISBN, it's gone round the world, you know, and you think, what a brilliant thing photography is. Absolutely. When you can do that, but also when it brings people together, you know, like the yeah. community it's got, the people who share that thing. Because do you know what? There's a lot of people in my family who think, what's the point in photography? Yeah. You sell pieces of paper. <laughs> you used to be a product designer saving people's lives with your products, you know, earning loads of money and stuff. And, you know, and I never earned loads of money. It was just a good job, you know, it was a good paid yeah. job. And you look at it and you think, you know, like some of the criticism, they say, well, it's a tree, mate. You're looking at, you know, like that retreat. When I first showed that to someone, they said, who's going to want a picture of a knackered old hut like that? Yeah. You know, and and that's people in your own family, you know, and and maybe maybe that's kind of spurred me on to kind of... Well, it possibly I, does. I don't think I sell books. I don't think I sell prints. I don't think I sell calendars. And I don't think I sell postcards. I sell a window into another part of your subconscious brain. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you look at that that way, photography yeah. is very valuable. Absolutely. Whereas in the UK, I don't think photography is appreciated. Not in the same way as, uh, as art is and not compared to other places but as well. I don't know if you've noticed this with your other, I mean, obviously you're a big book man, if you will. Everybody who buys my book in the USA emails me and says that book should be $200. It's too cheap. They're saying, and, and I, and they say we value photography in America. Yeah. I, th I think certainly, I, I think certainly I the likes of 
prints in prints in America or photographic prints. My understanding is that they are they're viewed more on par with paintings, etc. Whereas yeah. I think over in the UK, a lot of people view photographic prints. Well, anyone can really take a picture. Yeah. Um, in terms of books, books is an interesting one. Um, if you look at Japan, Japanese photographic books are far more expensive than anywhere else if you uh, there's a web there's a few websites that I, I have a look at and maybe i've bought at the cheaper end but to see a japanese photo book at two two and a half grand is not unusual mm. and to see a lot at 500 to a thousand pounds they're really viewed as pieces of art in themselves yeah, um, yeah. well i i've just um i've just spent 215 pounds on 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 a book i don't i think it's more than one actually i'm getting two books i think off the same guy uh jimmy nelson have you heard of him no nope, no nope, no nope. uh let me just check i've got his name right <laughs> um yeah jimmy nelson yep so uh i i found these books online and I just thought I'm, I've got to have them, you know, and yeah. the, the the portrait books, the pictures of people. Yeah. So he's gone around the world photographing indigenous tribes of people. Yeah. Right across the world. And like portrait photography is, is my, I'm getting really into that. Yeah. And more so since lockdown. And, it, and this guy's done some absolutely unbelievable images of, of yeah. these, these people all over the world, you know, and, and I absolutely love that. And there's a there's a friend of mine, uh, Ian Lawson. He's a he's a a lot older than me. He's a really well known. He's been a photographer all his life, and he's produced books on Harris Tweed and Herdwicks. So have you seen them books? No, I've heard of them though, but yeah, I've they're not... about two hundred quid each. Yeah, they're like paving slabs, you know. And yeah. we've spoke quite a lot on the phone um, over the last couple of well years. He, he, since I did my book really and he rings me up every now and then I ring him up and he he's he's an ultimate perfectionist that guy I mean probably too much of a perfectionist in my mind but his books are uh, they're like works about on their own but so so I'm at one level at my 40 pounds book price and he's at 200 pounds for his book and the difference between a 40 pound book and a 200 pound book you know, it's it, you have to put a lot more quality uh, features into that book for the UK market to appreciate it. Yep. Whereas I think in the USA, people are—he says people aren't even questioning it. They're just, they're, I know. You know, yeah, they're just going for it. I mean, I, I had um, I had a, a woman from California bought a three or four of my prints, and it was several thousand pounds. You know. And the postage was like hundreds of pounds and she just didn't blink an eye. You know, it was yeah. like, well, it's, it, it can, it's it can art be, and that's yeah. what I want. That's Whereas, it. You know, sometimes when you're selling to people in this country, they're trying to haggle you down from 35 quid, you know, and you're thinking, come on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different markets, but I suppose it's the nature, it's the nature of the world, world we live in. Yeah, fascinating though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Indeed. So moving on, obviously we talk about books um, and I'm always very interested to hear what other people's favorite, what guests' favorite yeah. books are for their own shelf. So 
three or four suggestions. We don't really run more than that. Otherwise, I end up talking for hours. And to be honest, it just costs me a fortune because I end up having to search them yeah. and try to buy them all. So yeah. I'm very interested to hear what maybe three or four of your favorite photograph books are. Okay. Yeah, this is this is the best bit. Right. So there's a few, yeah. but I think right now in this moment in time, the best photographic book I own is this. Black Dot by Nicholas J.R. White. Yeah. You'll have a copy of this, won't you? I do indeed. It's a, lovely, it's a lovely book. The, the, right. So and I've never met Nicholas J.R. White or Nick, as he's called. We, we follow each other on Instagram and we we, we yeah. message each other now and then and we have a good laugh. He's a seems like a, a decent nice guy. guy. We're going to meet up at some point when all this stuff's buggered off. Um, I just think this book is fantastic. I think... Yeah. Ian Sargent's done a brilliant job with it from another place, Press. All of his books are brilliant. Yes. But I like... This This is a book... This is way more intelligent than a book I can ever produce, I think, right now. This this has been produced by somebody who knows what they're doing. And I think the, the narrative of this book, how it tells a story just through images... Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's a journey, you know? Like, you've got portraits of people, you've got wide defining shots you've got detailed shots of shelves in bothies and yeah you've got obscure maps and things like that and i mean i i'm friends with a guy who that's his brother yeah just sure. by total coincidence yeah. giles hugo his brother's caller we follow he's from ambleside and it's um it, yeah black black dots is a wonderful book i i just it's think really the size nice. the form factor the quality of material i just think that's brilliant yeah. the next book Right, I might surprise you with this one. I actually own five copies of this book. Five copies? I've heard of people owning two copies, keeping one as a wife. Yeah, again, so, a, ve a very, very good, a very, very good choice. iPhone only by Julian Calvary. Yeah. Now, Julian Calvary is, I've never met him, although very we have nice spoken. Yeah, we have spoken meeting up a few times. I mean, I spoke to him just before Christmas, I think, or during. Uh, and we're going to try and meet up again at some point or meet up for the first time. We we connected a few years ago on Instagram when he came on Instagram and he got a bit famous on Instagram because Instagram featured him and yep, right. he was putting together images. Right. What I love about this book is why I used to love Instagram and why I say what, I still love Instagram. But when Instagram first came out, it was a level playing field. We all had a crappy mobile phone. Yeah. With the same camera. It was iPhone only at the first, wasn't it? Yeah. And you had a, an iPhone 4 or whatever it was, or 3 even, or 2, 2S or whatever it was called. It had a rubbish camera. It was all about snapshots. It was a level playing field. There was nobody had a medium format camera, you know. It yeah. wasn't Flickr. It was Instagram. Yes. And it was about what you can do with a mobile phone. And yeah. I loved that. And the fact that Julian has created such an... An interesting body of work with a mobile phone is yeah. a credit to him as a photographer, I think. I mean, I know Snapseeds played a big part in adding a lot yeah. of drama. Yes. But when, again, it's very cohesive, the book, it looks, it flows yeah. really well. And I, I bought a copy of that book. Um, I think it was about £17 or something. And I was, I couldn't put it down. I was yeah. lit, lit. And then I bought, I bought another one 
so that when my first one wore out, I'd still have a good copy of the first yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, it's been beautifully printed as well. It's, yes. re- it's, it's really very good print quality. Yeah. I like Julian's book. Um, I'm fortunate to own his uh, North by Northwest yeah, book yeah. as well, yeah. uh, which is, I, I, I love his work. I love the love the fact that there's no pretty sunrises. It's all yeah. very atmospheric skies. and um, Well, yeah, and... I mean, when, do you know what? See, I asked Julian about that, and he said because that reflects his personality. He told me, yeah, he said that's the sort of guy he thinks he is. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, you know, when you come across some photographs by people, and and you just think, do you know, I would never have done that like that. Yeah. How how have they done? How have they thought yeah, yeah. that was yeah, a good yeah. idea? Yeah. But it works. Yes. And I just think a lot of the images in this book are like that. And, yep. um, you, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's different to what I do. And I appreciate, I appreciate yep. it. And I appreciate his creative efforts to produce it. And I, I mean, I've, I've rang him up a few times for advice and he's been very generous in his time, in his kind of time and his advice to me. Like I did a commission last year where I made one photograph for someone and, um, I asked Julian advice on fees and one thing and another, and and he, and he was very generous to to give me yep. his time. So I, I appreciate that. But yeah, I've got five copies of that. The reason I've got five is not because I've got a psychological problem. Well, you know, maybe I have, but he did. A, he ran offers where you got a print. free yeah. print, yeah. And I've got edition one of yeah. all those prints. Prince. Yeah, they're in storage. And when when I move into my new house in the Lake District. Get them framed. Uh, later this year, I'm going to get them all framed. I've got some Bruce Percy prints as well. Yeah, very nice gonna, prints too. I'm going to put them up, yeah. So the next book... Yeah. Um, and you won't be surprised to see this, Paul Wakefield's The Landscape. Yeah, that's, again, it's it's just quite good, actually, because I've got all the books you've mentioned so far, yeah, so yeah. it's not costing me anything. Again, a very yeah. frequently mentioned book. Yeah, so... I, I think that book is is head and shoulders probably above everything else. And I recently tagged Paul in uh, an Instagram post where – I don't know if you follow me on Instagram. I think you do, don't you? I do, yeah. If, if you look on my Instagram homepage, there's, I've pinned some stories to the top of my page, and one of them is called Self-Publish, where I go through the entire history of how Capture Lakeland came about and all the prototypes and everything. But this book – when I saw this book, I thought that as a product designer, you know, as a person who creates physical products, I just thought that was a beautiful book, you know, and um, I didn't choose to have the same sort um, cover because I wanted my book to yeah. be totally different to everybody else's. And Absolutely. I didn't just want to have a cloth bound cover the same as everybody else. But I've used the same paper right. as this yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think it's a really artistic, almost matte paper. It works. It works. It works so well for a for a, a total variety and spread of image yeah. styles as and well. Do you know what? I analysed this book a bit ago. Eighty to ninety percent of all these photographs are shot on days where most photographers probably wouldn't go out. You know, yeah, They're overcast, grey, boring, flat days. And when you spend most of your well, when you my photography is one hundred percent the late district. Yeah, they're the days you have in the late district. You know, it's not always 
epic light, as people call it. Yeah. And what I said to Paul on social media was, this body of work shows that if you're a good photographer, you can create good images regardless of the conditions. Absolutely. And and that is something what Catch Lake and Volume 2 shows, because a lot of the, the, the weather in that was rubbish. Yeah. And I just pushed through and thought, you know what? I'm going to try and make this work. Absolutely. And I think Paul's done that. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. Perfectly. All right. So then uh, the other one, I want to mention Colin Bell's healing book, which I know you love that. I do. Um, You obviously mentioned Colin earlier. He's He's a great guy. But I was obviously... Part, you know, I was aware of this book through its inception as well. So, but I also know Colin. I know, yeah, I know what he's gone through to be able to produce this book as well. So yeah. I think it means a little bit more when you've got a bit of that. Absolutely, yeah. You've got a bit of an inside knowledge and under, understanding and context of it. Yeah, but I, th- I think out of all of them, Black Dots is probably, and, and it's because there's a lot of portraiture in it. Yes. Yeah. And and I love portraits. You know. Yeah. It's always well. It's, as we were saying before, I always find it interesting because when people talk about their favourite books, more often than not, they don't. It's not books of what they photograph themselves. It's yeah. It's of portraiture, or if it's street photography, or um, yeah. When you're Paul Kenny, it's of vegetables um, in a garden, and it's it's fascinating yeah. to, just to see what other people clicks yeah. with them. Do you, know, do you know what? I think it's also appropriate for, for me to mention another book as well, which I have on the bookshelf behind me there, and that is Cubby's Tarn by Joseph Wright. Yeah, again, another so, cracker. Um, so I was booked on one of Joe's courses. It was actually the same course that Paul Gotts was on in, in about bookmaking in Grisdale Forest. Yeah. And I couldn't go because my ME was really bad at the time. Yeah. And I, I had to pull out, and I just said to him, look, I'm not going to be able to do this. And he said, oh, I'll refund you the money. And I said, I don't, don't give me the money back. I'll have yeah. a copy of your book with it. So yeah. I got the one in the clamshell with all the limited edition. I got like the, yeah. the most expensive version. And I, I got it. And um, I emailed him afterwards. And he's actually put my email on his website on the testimonial for the book. Yeah. And I just said, this book transcends what a photography book can be. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Fantastic it, book again. It's like, it's like somebody's life's work, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's absolutely on another level to everything else. Such attention to detail in every aspect of it. I yeah. I, I, I did one of Joe's uh, workshops. I travelled down to Swindon for, for two days yeah. to do it. And yeah, just absolutely fantastic. I think if he does them again, he's not done them for a few years, I would certainly be back up there, even just to refresh knowledges and skills and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but yeah, the book is the book's fantastic. And all five books you've mentioned there, are are great i'm delighted that i've got all five of them because it'll mean it's a very very cheap episode for me this time (laughs) um but yeah it's and and they all offer a total variety and and it's you've gone from there's self-published the bigger published ones then you've got that the phone only books and then the wonderful one from uh nicholas and obviously ian Sargent who produces fantastic work up at um, another place press and i love i love their the format of their books as well yeah, I think um, worth a mention as well is Envisage books, you know, with Eddie yeah. 
Um, yeah, I spoke to just before Christmas actually as well. Yeah, and, well, uh, well, Eddie was really helpful to me in. Uh, I had a few problems with the production of Capture Lakeland, um, yeah. and and Eddie really, again, was very generous with his time, his knowledge. He was a really, you know, like it was a very difficult time for me when yeah. I had a few problems with that book, and and he was like a a, a really good good guy really and yeah and a lot of his books as well like there was one from jordan did you ever buy that one it was quite a thin like panoramic book don't know i've got quite a few hand, hand sewn. yeah he obviously did a uh, paul wakefield's landscape as the landscape as well yeah that's right uh, yeah i might i might be confused there that might be um that book i'm referring to might be an ian Sargent book but basically what i'm saying is there, there's a load of people out there who they're not mainstream landscape photographers. They're not. They're yeah. not well known on social media, you know. And the producing, like I've got, you know, the Icebreaker book and yeah, Mark uh, Dan Woods books, um, yeah. Suicide Gap Machine. in the Hedge and stuff like that as you well. Know, yeah, yeah. And that like, I've got that just on on there. Uh, yeah, the hedge book, and you just think there's, you know, there's another guy as well called Danny North. Have you heard of him? No, not come across. I'm glad I've mentioned somebody you don't know then. So yeah. write write that down. So Danny North, he yeah. he's a, a photographer and he did a body of work um uh from the Isle of Egg. Oh right. And oh, no. we've chatted. Yeah. He's he's called it something and I've just forgotten it. I I I wanted to mention this because he deserves some he deserves some was it credit. was it a book that came out recently? No, no, it's not a book. Oh, right. He's he's not produced a book, but I guess what my point is is there's there's a lot of photographers all over the, the country, all over the world, who, you know, they're not Joe Cornish, they're not Colin Pryor, they're not Bruce yeah. Percy, you know, they're not household names to other landscape photographers, but the work they're producing is just unbelievable. I mean, Absolutely. Danny North went he went to the Isle of Egg and he I mean I spent a week on the Isle of Egg in 2016. Yeah. And just fell in love with the place. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's fantastic. I've got some amazing yeah. photographs from Egg, what I really connect with. And he shoots on, he's a film photographer predominantly. Yeah. Like, like Nick uh, White is. Yeah. And I just think how they take portraits of people, it, uh, it just fascinates me, absolutely fascinates yeah. me. And, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn that now. I'm going through a process of trying to, trying to take better portraits of people i was yeah i want to i want to i've got a, an idea for a project about um but it's been brave enough to go up to strangers and say can i take your portrait isn't it but i think it's, it's the same with so many things see once you've done it for the first couple of times yeah it's 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 doing it for the first first few times to do it once you get over the hurdle you'll always get rejections but then it's just like Walk up, water off a duck's back. Once, once you've had the first rejection, you become accustomed to it, and it's yeah. a, it's a process. But it's like just... making a, it's like making a vlog for YouTube as well, because the first yeah. time you, you you record it and you hear your own voice and you see your own face, you think, oh my god, is that what you I know? sound like? Yeah, and exactly, is that what I look like and sound like? And then once you get over that initial barrier, it's fine. Yeah, you just once you yeah, put yourself out there. Yeah, once you put yourself out there for the first time, it's that's always the hardest part. After that, it yeah. becomes it becomes far easier. Well, yeah. on that note, James, I'd like to thank you very much for your time this morning. It's it's really been a privilege and a pleasure 
to hear the background to your work, to your photography, your journey, your two books, and uh, also your your plans and just how how you keep on evolving your your work and your your style and um, and also to hear the the five books that uh, I've got. So it's been a it's been a cheap cheap episode from my perspective. But yeah, yeah. it's really been it's really been a pleasure speaking to you and just uh, thank you very much for your time. No, well, thank you for yours. And as, as well, I think it's important to say as well, and, you know, on the behalf of the photographic community, thank you for what you're doing. You know, this, this, this thing you're creating and this uh, bringing together of people and people's creative ideas, I'm sure I'm not the only one who uh, admires what you're doing, respects what you're doing and is appreciative of the effort you're going to. So thank you for, uh, for creating what you're doing and giving people a, a platform and a voice and a chance so yeah th- thanks yeah it's 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 a it's been an interesting experience but equally enjoyable and i and i take great pleasure from from hearing and from speaking to artists photographers book designers about the about their work their books their journeys and and if people get uh, if people and others can take something from it then um, that's always a great pleasure and it, it's great when I get emails much like yourself from people saying that oh I came across such and such a book on your website and I've just ordered a copy and it's yeah. it's wonderful that people can can reach other books that they might not have come across and new artists to follow and new books for their own collections so I, th- I, th- I think the concept of producing a book I think you, if you're a photographer who's listening to this, who hasn't made a book, which will be the majority, I would imagine. Yeah. I, I think it's a really powerful tool to help you appreciate where you are, where you've come from. But it also, I think it's been massively influential in helping me improve as a photographer. Yeah. The act of creating a book. Um, and you don't even have to publish it. You know, just the fact that you can put it together. Yeah. And you know, even use one of these online printers to make a zine or something like that. You can make and half a dozen copies very cheaply. Yeah, or, or just do what I did and print out loads of sheets of A4 paper and yeah. clip them together. Yeah. And I I think there's something quite powerful about, about doing that um, and seeing, you know, because one image is great, isn't it? You know, if you can... Absolutely. If you can make one image, that, you know, that's great. But if you can make a series of images, what... Stick together. I mean, your bookshelf behind you is testament to the value that has. Absolutely, yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's so many. But, uh, but yeah. On that note, um, thank you very much, James, and uh, good to catch up with you. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ewan. Cheers.